Fretmill Music Company is proud to be part of the music community by bringing you Appalachian Vibes, a show challenging the expectations and highlighting the diversity of music created in the Appalachian region. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. Today on Appalachian Vibes, my guests are the experimental improv ensemble Fanoplane, with members Bob Boylan, creator of Tiny Desk and All Songs Considered, and Ted Zook, a classical guitarist. My second guest is Nikki Calhoun. She's a self-professed, wandering, down-tempo singer-songwriter. And Will Henson, an Appalachian writer and musician. Today we are featuring his story, Cell Phone. My first guest is Fanoplane. I'm Bob Boylan, and uh, so I play electronics. I've been an electronic musician since I bought an Arp Odyssey back in uh, 1978-ish. So can you guys just describe to me the the style of music that you're performing, or if you can give us an artistic definition yeah, of, of <laughs> what it is yours, that's buddy. happening. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bob. <laughs> I hear I hear a lot of moving drones, and um, I'm wondering if anybody considers a theme ahead of time. It almost seems um, it's very meditative. I, I would say meditative. Um, there's no caucusing beforehand. Um, often I'll start the uh, uh, proceedings with a drone, and I, I, the bass cello is a great instrument for drones and it just goes where it goes uh people uh, you've probably heard the term that uh talking about music's like dancing about architecture so i think that sort of applies here it's it's very really for me at least impossible to verbalize at the same time i'm going to say that the music we make is a conversation oh yeah Right. So, yes, it's not in English and it's not in any uh, language you would speak. But but for sure, when you start that drone immediately for me, I start to think, okay, uh, what can I talk about, too? What can I add to this conversation? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Jerry Busher or somebody will start playing. You'll start hearing some percussion and rhythm and we all think about how to react to it. And then somebody adds something else. And uh, if you didn't mention it, uh, well, I think Ted did, which is that every time we perform as Fanoplane or whatever project that we are doing, there's different members of the band. So there's, you know, it's like you hear different opinions, we'll call them, uh, in, mm. in this musical mix. And, uh, and that inspires us to do something different every time. It's wonderful.
where does the heart of improvisation come from for you? The other players. I, I, uh, I just, and, and this, I'm an untrained musician, self-taught. Uh, and um, when Tiny Desk Unit started, uh, Michael Barron played guitar and uh, Susan Mumford was a singer. And I had this Arp Odyssey. And what I've tried to do, because I didn't know what else to do, was try to find something that I was hearing in both Michael and Susan and play something that put those two things together. So it could be the tone of Susan's voice maybe had a high, lingering, melancholy feel, and Michael might have been playing some harmonics on the guitar, and I try to find something that would sort of glue it all together, and I do the same with improv. I just listen. I think that's part of who I am as a person who loves radio and who loves music. I like to listen. And uh, But with playing music, I'm not just listening. I'm reacting to what I'm hearing. And the synthesizer, uh, because I'm an unskilled musician, at least, I, I, or I should say, I don't have a, the craft that a good like a classical guitar player might have. I can't do that. I've never been able to repeat notes very well or do things uh, in that way very well. But I can react and find, the synthesizer allows me to find these sounds and I can instantly just like, oh, that pitch, that kind of high thing. I know how to make one of those, but then I can add a little percussion to it with this knob and slider over here. Uh, it's... It's a very freeing instrument for me. I, I did try to play guitar a bunch, and I remember the guitar teacher telling my mother, which was crushing when I was about nine years old, that uh, I had no musical ability whatsoever. How did that impact you? Uh, it was devastating. I mean, it uh, obviously, I stopped playing guitar. Oh. Um, I didn't do anything for a long time. When I was 15 years old, I worked at a summer camp and made $50 also after the summer was over, and I bought a classical guitar. Um, I tried to learn how to play. Uh, I took uh, classical guitar lessons in college, and I was really very not, not very good at it, plain and simple. I just couldn't. My brain and my hands just don't work well in that way together. Uh, and it was sad, and um, but I always really wanted to play music. And um, one day, I just I was working uh, in a record store, and um, long story short, I was my friend and I were running an apartment building. It's a small building, but I didn't have to pay rent. And I just said to myself, "This is it. This is the time you quit your job, and you." I wanted, I loved electronics and synths, and I figured it's not like when you pick up a guitar, you say, you've got all these people who play, you know, mm. so good that you'll never, I know I'll never get there. And it was always very discouraging. And I thought, a synthesizer, well, it's got so many different things, and there's no real defining thing. And that's my instrument. And so I quit my job. I bought a synth and just started playing. In that order? Yes, in that order.
You're listening to Appalachian Vibes. If you're just joining me, my guest is the experimental improv ensemble, Phanoplane. I was remiss in not giving my name Ted Zook. My primary instrument is nylon string guitar, uh, which I've been playing on or off since, uh, I think it was 1958 or thereabouts. Explain your relationship to the muse to me, because it almost sounds separate from you. I might be spiritual, but I'm not particularly religious. I remember, though, at uh, at a sermon, a uh, minister was explaining the Holy Spirit, and explaining that the Holy Spirit, as earlier articulated in Hebrew scripture, was described as a wind coming through you. And that's sort of how I don't know if the muse and the Holy Spirit are the same thing, or cousins, or, or whatever, but uh, the muse, or I, I like to think of it as in terms of the muse coming through me, and my obligation being to keep my chops up and then to stay out of the way. There was a bluegrass show on Sunday morning. It was Dick Spotswood's show, which was old-timey music that I madly loved. Dick Spotswood's show, oh my God, what an amazing person to take, you know, the music of the 20s and 30s and 40s of country music and play them for a city kid like me, I, I <laughs> loved it. And I, maybe it's why I had earlier mentioned in the story that one of the things I did was picked up the guitar because I wanted to play music with my son. And when my son turned of an age where he could play an instrument, he took up the fiddle and uh, we started playing first uh, Irish music together. But for the last, um, well, for the last 16 years of my life, uh, once a month, I play in a contra dance band, and we play plenty of you know old timey music, and I love that stuff. It's complete counterpoint to my electronic music and the kind of stuff that uh, Ted and I play. I mean, I, the stuff Ted and I play, nothing repeats ever. <laughs> and in that kind of music, it's you know, play the A section four times and play the B section four times, come back and play the A section four times, and people are dancing to it. Our our music is more, uh, you know, heart to head, whereas mm. that music is is heart to leg.
Do you have a stringed instrument just collecting dust in the corner of your room? Fretmill Music Company also does consignments. Bring your gear in today and let us sell it for you. Fretmill Music Company is located in downtown Roanoke at 21 Salem Avenue Southeast. The Quality Inn Dutch Inn is located off Highway 220 in Collinsville, Virginia. Less than eight miles from the Martinsville Speedway, guests at the hotel can experience many of Virginia's outdoor attractions, including Ferrystone State Park, Philpot Lake, Blue Ridge Parkway, and the Smith River. Under new ownership, management, and the hotel is being renovated from the ground up. Search the Quality Inn Dutch Inn to learn more. You're listening to Appalachian Vibes. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. My next guest is the wandering, down-tempo singer-songwriter, Nikki Calhoun from Eagle Rock, Virginia. My name is Nikki Calhoun, and the style of music I play, I'm, I kind of, I, I guess it would be a type of folk music. Um, very calm. Uh, I like to slow tempos down a lot so it's kind of unusual in some sense i didn't realize it was until i tried playing with other people and realized that i was somewhere different <laughs> i ended up growing up in virginia in eagle rock virginia also spent lots of summers in lincoln nebraska that was where my mom was from in the summertime it was the big city and and then in <laughs> in normal life it was deep in the woods somewhere. I have a total of four siblings and, you know, just kind of lived that little backwoods life behind the railroad tracks. <laughs> well, was it really behind the railroad tracks? Yeah, it was actually interesting because my mom, um, she, like I mentioned before, she was from Lincoln, Nebraska and um, her parents were actually, you know, somewhat wealthy. I mean, they had an ice machine in the basement and there were sidewalks and traffic lights and in Eagle Rock, Virginia, those little surrounding areas, there's still no traffic lights or sidewalks. I think in the town of Eagle Rock, there's one sidewalk on the main street, but you know, for us, it was our playground was in our backyard was the James river. So it, so with that, my mom, she loved that kind of more old time thing. So we didn't have, washer dryer. We didn't have hot water. We didn't have heat or electricity. Well, we had electricity. Yes. Uh, we had wood stove heat for laundry. We did like the old tub with the little ringer that you connect on the side. And I love doing laundry for some reason, which is 
interesting because I'm still the same way. I'm very domestic like that, but I loved wringing the clothes. And then I remember when we got an electric washer dryer, it was a really big deal. I think I was in sixth grade at that point. And that was wild, but I was really afraid to get my fingers stuck. You know, tell me about old house. Oh, <laughs> what is, what's, what's special about it? Um, old house is actually a literally about the house that I grew up in a place that you want to go home to, but you can't go home. Mm-hmm. Well, this the song was healed me. Um, mm-hmm. because I think there was things that I was running from at times in myself. Um, things I didn't want to face. I think we can all have that. As I began to write that song, I it was I was facing some of those things. And I also really love walking down um, roads that I've never been or walking or driving down roads I've never been before. And it seemed like no matter what part of the country, whatever state or city or little town I'm living in, I would literally, you know, just go for a walk and explore the area and go down roads. And I would always end up wanting to be home in Virginia. And, but I knew that I still had to be where I was. And so I think that song just was about a lot of longing to be home, but I I knew that I couldn't be home yet. Oh, how I love
Was that purposeful on your mom's part to try to uh, prevent you from like being too worldly? Like what was the, what was the background on that? Um, I think just thinking about her and her mind, I think she found more ease just in the, the, this, this side of the world, I think is just more open air you know, in, in where she was from was just like houses right, right next to each other. No one really has a yard. I mean, they're small fenced in things. And I think for her personality, that Virginia and the mountains and that just sort of open space just helped her breathe easier, you know? And um, I mean, she taught us the plants that we could eat so that we didn't have to come home. So for playing out by the river, we could just eat some clover or, there was wild asparagus down the railroad tracks. And I think she saw the beauty in all that. And I mean, the house itself is, it still actually exists. Um, but it was just an old house. I mean, it had holes in the walls and, but she made it nice, you know, but she just didn't really care about keeping up appearances in a sense that like we, it, it, it's like we lived fine. We'd have, we had everything we needed. It was just different, you know? When this song came for me, I, I was completely shocked. Like I was just alone in my bathroom. I had a candle lit and I had been working on those chords and the words, I saw what I was, I saw the story and I just, I didn't know what it meant or where it came from. It was just doing a little more seeking in myself where I realized all the metaphors. I first saw Will when I was 10. He wore no shirt and cuffed his jeans. He had a little brother who followed him down by the creek. They were last seen. I knew their mama and she always said, hey, little girl, you're welcome here. So will will is your will to to live, your will it, to enjoy life. To it turned hope. out. Yeah, it turned out to be that. And when I saw what I saw was an image of these little boys and I, I grew up right next to the James River, right behind the railroad tracks. Like the, we played on the train tracks all the time, but we knew all the signals. The train was coming. We were smart. We knew to get out of the way, you know. And uh, so I, I'd seen this vision of this boy. And at the when it, the song first began, he didn't have a name. It was just I saw him. Um. He wore no shirt and cuffed his jeans. You know, it's like how little boys are playing, you know, going down the river. But it it, it made me kind of think, too, of my brother. One of the things that we did growing up was um, hunt for helgermites. 
there are these crazy looking, crazy looking creatures. It's like Helgramite, crazy creature. It's a segmented body and it has pinchers on the face and tail. And the fishermen love them because they're really great bait. So we would go all along the, the river and the surrounding creeks that connected and we would turn over rocks. They live under rocks close to the water and you catch them by grabbing them behind the neck and then they can't pinch you. They'll try, but they can't. <laughs> but in this song, it was like that beginning line of I first saw him or I first saw Will. You know, I, I remember it was my brother and I like walking down the railroad tracks playing, you know, and I, I knew that I was picking up from something of, from my childhood memories. I was just expressing it in a completely different way. I first saw Will when I was 10. He wore no shirt and cuffed his jeans. He had a
It was in August of 2010. Um, I had been in Nebraska and I had uh, gotten some information that my mother, who was living in a, uh, in a, she was living in a home, actually like an Alzheimer's section of a home. And um, she didn't have Alzheimer's, but she, um, she just didn't, her mind was going. And um, at that point, she didn't talk anymore. She hadn't been talking. She just kind of sat in a wheelchair and hollered sometimes. And it began when she was 54 and it, she was 61 at this point. Um, so, so I was able to make a trip out to come to Virginia to spend time with siblings. And I knew that we're going to go visit her. And um, I, uh, she had had pneumonia and uh, the doctor call, had called my siblings and I said, Oh, she's recovered. You know, you can come see her. So we were on our way and she was in Stewart, Virginia. And so we drove a couple hours to go there and she wasn't back in her room. And apparently she'd taken a turn for the worst in the night. And so she was in this other section of the building on a ventilator. And so we just knew that she was shutting down. And honestly, like, I think we all felt a bit, I mean, deep sorrow because she was a really vibrant, vivacious, funny woman, but she just wasn't, hadn't been herself, you know? And so we, there was a part of us that was almost relieved in one sense because she just wasn't living her, her fullest anymore. And I knew, I knew that a song was coming. Like I could feel it like low simmering water, you know, and I knew that it was coming to a full boil. Um, but there was also a lot of inner turmoil a little bit because my mom and I, there had always been a bit of a struggle with trying to speak with her about our past traumas growing up that she had been a part of. And I mean, she was such a sweet woman, but she, you know, <laughs> we all are missing something, you know, we can't be the perfect parent, you know? And I, there was always hard conversations where I, I, I just wanted to hear more from her, but I, I guess she was just stubborn, you know? <laughs> and so what did you want to hear more about? Um, I think I just wanted to hear she was sorry. I think it, the things were really hard things to face. So I'm back in Nebraska and I know that a song is coming, but I'm, I'm honestly not thinking about that. Like I need to hear her say this. I just knew, I just knew something was about to happen. And I, I went into my kitchen and um, it was August and I looked out my window and do you know where an open vision is? So I saw snow falling outside of the window, like it was really there. And that's sort of how the songs come for me. It's like, I'll just see that like it's there and it'll start with an image. And so I see snow falling and I'm in my chair and I have my guitar and I had been working out these certain chords and this finger picking pattern that I just sort of made up. All of a sudden I, I, I felt my mom walk in the room and there was no denying that she just walked into the room. And of course she's passed and everything in me. And, and I, and it just came, it, the words came out of my mouth. And the first line says, turn your head around. You've been looking for me when the snow falls to the ground, you'll hear me calling. And so my mom, what was so piercing about that was that 
she loved the snow and she loved the color blue and she loved how late at night when the snow was all covering the ground and the moon was hitting it, everything looks blue. And I mean, she was a mom who played with us. You know, we would go out in the snow and play, or we would go out in the fall and she would make leaf piles and we would actually make like houses with the leaves. And she was completely interactive with that. So, you know, all those things are fresh. And so this song, it just continues. And it was her speaking line for line. I have no idea what's coming next. And you know, I, I've never been someone who didn't believe in ghosts or didn't, but um, there's a bit of a skeptic in me about things. But I do know that really incredible spiritual things happen to people. And we just, that's just what's true. And so when this happened, that part of me too, that maybe wrestled with that a little bit was completely shut down and open because <laughs> my mom just gave me this song. And when, when the song ended, she said, now I want you to call Kendra, Jacob, Jody, and Charlie. And I want you to sing this on the phone to each of them. And it was interesting. I sang and I did exactly that. And every single one of us had a different reaction. Turn your head around. You've been looking for me when the snow falls to the ground. You'll hear me calling you to me. It's just my way now, and I'm sorry For all these days, I'm so sorry This is all I can say now This is all I can say me mm-hmm. 
I'm so sorry There's nothing more to say There's nothing This episode of Appalachian Vibes is also brought to you by Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates Incorporated, providing quality and trusted administrative services for pension, annuity, health, and welfare plans since 1977. Our team of experienced professionals delivers customized solutions to meet the requirements of your benefit plan. Call us at 1-800-552-6972. Hi, I'm Marie Anderson, new owner of Fret Mill Music Company. I've been a local singer-songwriter for the last decade, and now I'm excited to combine my passion for music with the high-quality instruments sold at Fret Mill to create and further enhance a society of inspired musicians and music lovers. Fret Mill Music Company is located in downtown Roanoke at 21 Salem Avenue Southeast, Give them a call at 540-982-6686. This is Appalachian Vibes. I'm your host, Amanda Bakke. My next guest is Will Henson, an Appalachian writer and musician. This is his story called Cell Phone. So the last 48 hours of my life have been a psychotic roller coaster. Monday night, I got off the phone with my mechanic, who's been working on my car for the last eight months. My phone has been dying and running out of juice for the last week, so any information I needed to give or receive has been done quickly and frantically. Before I went to sleep, I plugged it in and laid it on top of the laptop at the foot of my bed. Oftentimes, I will stretch my legs in the middle of the night and somehow kick it or pull it to where it drops to the floor with a loud crash, and it is almost always laying in the same spot on the floor the next morning. Well, this must have happened in the middle of the night because I heard it, and of course it woke me up, and then I went back to sleep. A couple of hours later, I got up, looked down, but this time, it was nowhere to be seen. A five-minute search started turning into a 20-minute search, which started turning into a 45-minute search. It had vanished. I mean, there was no logical place for it to have gone. It only had a foot to slide in any direction. I was starting to get pissed. No. This cannot be one of those days where all I do is futilely look for something that has vanished. But about three or four hours later, after looking in ridiculous places, it just was not there. And a horrific conclusion was starting to creep in. 
there's a woman I had been dating that I finally had to put on block. That was about a month ago. I was convinced now that she had come into the room in the middle of the night and had taken it. My bloodstream was frozen with ice water. Not only was she going to see a thousand pictures of nude females of all shapes and sizes, there were so many other things she was going to have access to. And each new revelation brought a fresh wave of horror into my brain. She was going to see text messages, phone calls, phone numbers of every person I've been in contact with for the last two years. She was going to have free access to my bank account. She could post anything she wanted to in my name on my Facebook page. Upon hearing about my fears, my roommate said, there is absolutely no freaking way anybody's going to break into this house. And I knew that. I knew that. And I immediately was relieved. And with a fresh wave of confidence and calm, I bounded my way back into my room and began searching for the phone again. Nothing still vanished. The phone charger cord still dangling off the side. There's only one spot the phone should be in, lest it grow legs and run somewhere else in the room. My mind was back in the frozen vault of the reality and possibility that, yes, I seriously think she or possibly a jealous boyfriend had come in and gotten the phone. One of the things I like about my roommate is he and I rarely ever make direct eye contact with each other. Unless it's serious, he was furiously combing his hair back looking at me in the eye at this point, and he said, Dude, I'm sorry, but that's crazy talk. Nobody can break in here. I stared back at him like some crazy scientist from a 1950s movie with the strange theremin in the background. I hope you're right, man. I seriously hope you're right. I really do. So far, my Facebook account was cool. No one had signed in since me. There weren't any posts on there saying, Hey, I'm Will. I like hanging out with the Boy Scouts of America. But anybody that has ever known me since childhood knows if I get a particular idea in my mind, it's going to take a lot to shake that idea until I get proven otherwise. Sometimes I'm way off, but sometimes I'm spot on. There was nothing I could do about it but sit around and wait. I know my friend Jody was due to come by after work and give me a ride to do errands the next day. So basically, it all hinged on that. By the time she showed up at 5.30 the next day, I hadn't eaten. I was frazzled, 
and in a pretty psychotic state. The first place we went to was the bank, which was closed, but I ran to the ATM to get a bank statement. There's only two separate PIN numbers I've ever used in my adult life, and whatever I punched in the first time was the wrong one. The second one that I punched in, I had too many digits or not enough. People were lined up waiting on me. The ATM spit out five receipts that said my bank statements were zero. I was flipping out at this point. Jody calmly reminded me that the zero balance was the amount that I had taken out or deposited, which was nothing. But that was not enough for me. Look at my freaking card. It's been deactivated. She did it. She drained my bank account and deactivated my card. Jody calmly showed me that perhaps the reason my card was deactivating was because I'd gotten the PIN number wrong. By the time we got to Walmart, I realized that my entire sanity depended on getting this new phone hooked up. We got to the counter. A very pretty Walmart cashier came up and asked if we needed help which, of course, I needed more help than probably anyone she's ever met in her life. And I believe that's what I told her. So we got to the point where we tried to get this new phone activated. Using your old phone, type in blah, blah, blah. Thankfully, Jody offered to do the work from her phone. We called the 1877 number. We went through a maze of options until we stumbled on a live operator, and I could not understand a damn word he was saying. I put him on speaker because I wanted Jody to experience and share the hell that I was going through. Even the Walmart chick wandered back into our orbit. Now, all three of us, me, Jody and the Walmart chick were crouched over Jody's phone. Me, with my right hand dramatically held in midair like some Shakespearean play. We must have looked like we were defusing an atom bomb. At one point, the Walmart chick reached for my phone and then suddenly stopped herself and said, Oh, I'm not allowed to touch that. Damn it. I yelled and slammed my hand down on the glass table, further plunging the human race into the death grip of the COVID virus. The customer service representative's voice babbled away in some language of unknown origin, broken up by a bad signal and the quiet roar of customers in Walmart. But this was really turning into a nightmare. Luckily for me, Jody could make out just enough of what he was saying. And the Walmart chick seemed to understand everything. Somehow my new phone was able to ring and text Jody's phone. 
So there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Feeling like we had all nearly escaped a plane crash, I thanked the Walmart chick for hanging in there, and me and Jody began to walk off. Everything seemed to be all right, and there was Facebook. All the familiar pictures were all still there. I checked my online bank balance for my money, and it was still there. None of my emails had been raped or pillaged. I began to relax for the first time in two days. We were still trading nightmare stories about phones and stalkers and whatnot. And at one point, she reminded me that it was politically incorrect for me to say the word oriental. You're joking. No, that word is considered offensive now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can't say that either. It's offensive. That was Will Henson's story called Cell Phone. You can read the full version at AppalachianVibes.net. Here's Whiskey Jesus by Will Henson and the Willies. Whiskey Jesus knows my name. Whiskey Jesus loves me just the same. Whiskey Jesus gonna take me out of here.
just the same Whiskey Jesus is gonna take me out of here I won't feel no the Quality Inn Dutch Inn is located off Highway 220 in Collinsville, Virginia. Less than eight miles from the Martinsville Speedway, guests at the hotel can experience many of Virginia's outdoor attractions, including Ferrystone State Park, Philpot Lake, Blue Ridge Parkway, and the Smith River. Under new ownership, management, and the hotel is being renovated from the ground up. Search the Quality Inn Dutch Inn to learn more. Appalachian Vibes is brought to you by Fretmill Music Company, your premier acoustic instrument destination. Appalachian Vibes is also brought to you by Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates Incorporated, a benefit plan administrator where customer service is their trademark. If you'd like to learn more about any of the artists featured on today's episode, go to AppalachianVibes.net. You can nominate an artist and catch up on past episodes there.